Are you warm yet? Yeah, I'm very hot. I'm telling you, I think by 15 <laughs> minutes into this thing, we'll go shirts, shirts and skins. I'll be down to skins. And then right. I think shortly you'll be joining me. All right. Not that, <laughs> that's when people will be wishing that we had a video, a video? podcast. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I'm telling you, if you go bottomless, I'm walking. But okay. So if I go topless, you're good. I, I don't really care. <laughs> what would be funny is my neighbors. They can see everything. If we went, if we, if we both went topless to my neighbors, it would look like we were both just sitting in here naked talking. On talking my, yeah. Right. For like an hour. What's he doing? <laughs> that guy came over. That large man came over and then sat in the room with that child, shirt naked, <laughs> naked. And then he left very quickly. <laughs> they talked on some microphones and then he left. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Should I call the cops? Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. We'll just do this again, but we're not going to capture the, the the magic of of, <laughs> of me asking you what's the worst fashion decision you ever made. People listening, we, we just did like a minute of this and it cut off now? and didn't record. What are we on now? We are on now. Oh, okay. Did you not know we were on earlier? Well, I I figured we were on, but then you like you mess with the computer and then you started talking, so I wasn't sure if we're back on. Yeah, we're we're back on now. Oh, okay. Every All once right. in a while, the recording software stops so we started off and i asked croiler the worst fashion decision that he's ever made and we're thinking about he's trying to think of something and then i remembered something for him his mom god bless her has posted on facebook a couple times pictures of him as a kid where he it looks like he's at a professional photographer and uh, you, you said that no, it wasn't a professional no. photographer. Yeah, so so essentially, I went to, to private school, and it was very like, you know, very uh, preppy private school. You got to wear, you know, a certain uniform. Your hair has to be a certain way. Your shoes have to look a certain style. Um, and you know, throughout the year, they would do these. Um, essentially, like here in America, you guys have like yearbook pictures, right? We we don't do that in Brazil, so. Um, throughout the year, you would have, um, they would take pictures of the kids doing certain activities. And anytime we did like that, like a home ec style class, like we would take pictures. Now they had this whole kitchen prepped so that it would look good. You know, like, so the picture, like where I'm like a chef, right? You know, <laughs> and and like, the picture <laughs> is Croiler at the age of, I don't know, eight, 10, eight or nine. Yeah. Uh, chubby little t- 10-year-old Croiler with a <laughs> chef's hat on, a cartoonish chef's oh, yeah. hat on, oh, puffy, yeah. and an apron, and you're surrounded, I think, by fruits and... Oh, yeah. The full, the full you, shebang. Yeah, yeah, it looks like you're in a kitchen. It looks like they just took a... You walked into a kitchen that has a chef child, and you have a hundred <laughs> questions. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, so it happens, you know, happens throughout the year, several different things like that. So there's that one, and there's another one where you are in clothes, and it looks like you're a 1920s gangster. So, so that was actually like part of the uniform for that school. I wasn't joking. Like you have to like dress up a certain way. Yeah, the dress for that was a. Oh, what are the hats? Where like fedora. 
It was like a not a fedora, it was a fedora, but it was something like that, like it's, angles down. It's one of those hats that you see like old guys wear, where it has a very small bill. Sometimes the bill will snap to the top of the hat. Uh, fuck, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. I may find these and post them, but oh he, he has that. He has a white button-up shirt with our sus- suspenders. Suspenders, yeah. Like suspenders. He has a big cigar in his mouth. No cigar. <laughs> cigar would look great in your mouth, though, because it, it would have fit the whole look. I'm sure. So those were school pictures. Yeah. Your school pictures are way more interesting than ours. We yeah. just school is different in Brazil than it is here in America. I guess don't get me wrong. Education is better in America, but. Um, the setup for the school system in Brazil, I think, is a little bit more forward. More forward? Yeah. What like, do you mean? Like, uh, school is year-round, January to December. You have breaks spread out through that? Um, yeah. We have, you know, a couple three, four-week breaks throughout the year, but essentially you go all year long. How much time would you get off for Carnival? <sighs> three weeks. And then um, you go to school only for uh, six hours. You go from six, from seven a.m. or seven a.m. to one, or from one thirty to seven thirty, and um, your graduating class is literally your first class that you walked into. So when you there isn't like the teacher doesn't move around or the students don't move around. So like when the switch class switch classes, you don't go to a different classroom. That teacher exits the room, and then a new teacher comes in the room. So you're always stuck with the same group of kids, and that is your class that's your graduating class are you in the same room also yeah that so you're with the same kids in the same room yep, same going. setting for yep. is it 12 years yeah like, 11 11 11 yeah yeah you don't change there's so, no there's no reason to change it keeps kids focused so you either learn to like the kids in your class or you have mortal enemies for 11 your problems years. you know figure it out um, guys and girls together. Guys and girls together, yeah. And uh, the idea there is when your kids move from class to class, that's where gossip, fights, distractions, you know, happen. So they don't move, they don't move. And, you know, we took classes. And, and like I said, I was privileged enough that I went to private school. So maybe not all schools in Brazil are like that. But as the format is, but like the classes I took, I took, you know, like philosophy and theology and etiquette and you know different language courses kind of philosophy class does a a 10 year old take you'd be surprised like when we took our classes like we went through like the renaissance and what it all meant and symbolism oh yeah wow so not just the philosophy of what it means to be green or a square right No, no no like these classes always built and you know you knew all the kids in there you know the it was, it was a different different format. Hmm. Like I said, don't get me wrong, education is still better in America, but I think the format, I like the format better in Brazil. Being a Gracie and at that age, did anyone care? Anyone? No, people knew the know. name, but nobody cared. By the way, I'm Corelli Gracie and this is... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Although you did it out of order. Remember, I, I I have to go you first. Have to go first? Yeah, because oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm the top billing. That's right, why people sorry, come. Sorry, uh, it, I'm Andrew Desimone, and this is Brother Gracie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I just think fans would be thrown off if you went first. They, oh, I get it. I don't they, want to confuse they, them. I don't either. Yeah, this is not the Grappling Dads. 
we'll get emails and I just, I don't want that to happen. Right. But we have to talk about those emails at some point too. We've gotten a few now. We will. You know what? Now that you say that, we'll, we'll answer one in this episode okay. and we'll do the other one in our next episode. All right. So our email for today comes from Jesus. His email says, Hey guys, I'm loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Let's just give ourselves a pat on the back right there. Yeah. But it could also be Jesus or Jesus, right? We don't know what ethnicity is from. That's true. I'm saying Jesus. In Portuguese or Brazil, you'd say... Jesus. Jesus. Well, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Christ. (laughs) So he says, I recently started training about a month ago under Jack McIver in Champaign, Illinois, His school has a fundamentals class, which meets twice a week. I've done sports my entire life, and now that I want to do BJJ seriously, I think what he meant to say, now that I want to do JIT seriously. Oh, God. I find myself wanting to train way more often. Any thoughts on the frequency of training for the new white belts? For example, two times a week versus five times a week. What's ideal? And he said, so far, I'm loving the journey, and I'm slowly falling in love with jujitsu and the history and complexity of BJJ JITs. You guys are definitely helping with that. Thanks. All right. First, Jesus, please don't ever say jits again. Yeah, it depends. I know McVicker. I can find you. Please don't say jits. Listen. (laughs) We'll start there. To each their own. Some people say Jesus. Some people say Jesuis. Some people say Jiu-Jitsu. Some people say jits. No. No. (laughs) I'm making a... This is a hill I will die on. Um... No, as far as training goes, you know, I, I like to recommend, you know, two to three times a week to start. Um, everybody likes to be gung-ho and do five, six, seven classes a week. And they can keep it up for about a month and then they start feeling it. Their body takes a toll, their muscles hurt, their joints are feeling the impact, and then they burn out and quit. So I would say do two to three times a week long enough to where it does not bother you physically meaning your energy level doesn't drop, you're not sore, you're not achy, you know, you don't feel weird after class. And then, you know, if if your body, once your body gets accustomed, then go up to, you know, three to four classes a week and maintain that for a while and essentially, you know, repeat the cycle until you're training as much as your schedule will allow. But uh, definitely doing every day will will be more detrimental than good. That's a good point. Starting out, everyone's body's different. If... If you are the kind of guy who could, kind of guy or girl who could work out constantly and just, you're, you're an athlete and you never get injured, I guess you could go a little more frequently. Right. But yeah, when I, I remember when I started off, the first two, three weeks, I just felt like my body was on fire all the time. Right. <laughs> and, and if you're someone who's older or just someone who's prone to injury, that's a, it's a good idea. Start off, even if you want to go every day. You could go every day and sit and drill, right. but the strenuous stuff, yeah, maybe ease your way into that right. Right. to the point where maybe you're going five, seven times a week. But at first, I remember thinking to myself, I love this, but I don't know that I can do this frequently because right. I just, outside of jujitsu, I am sore and slow all the time. And I don't want to be that guy who sits up and at 27 goes, or sits down and goes, that, that's what I was doing for the first couple of weeks. But then, yeah, your body, it's, it's 
the body's a beautiful thing where it just starts to learn how to it's tougher. Yeah, starts to learn how to be tougher or just those muscles are worked more. So the body's a beautiful thing, which leads me to, uh, it is hot, so. Very hot. I'm going to take my shirt off now. <laughs> just uh, and, as long as your bottom stay on. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's good thing you, we padded our backs earlier. If you pad, if we padded our backs now, people would hear a wet slap of yeah. palm against That'd sweaty be gross. Bed. Yeah. Am I painting a good picture for everyone listening right now? It's really hot in here. Good. It it is warm. (laughs) All right. This is, like I said, this is going to be maybe the first episode where we do it naked. Um, No. So we'll just see where things go. (laughs) We're thinking about it. Croyler had a second where his he he looked up and thought and then said no. No, I think those are pretty much immediate no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We we have danced around for a while now. The topic of today is half guard. Right. Kind of like last week when we did the episode on Marcelo Garcia and you weren't sure what it was, so I, who he was, so I had to tell you. When I said half guard, again, you said, uh, is that a type of sword fighting? Or And I said, no, half guard is a position in jiu-jitsu, and I had to explain it to you. Are you familiar with the concept now after I sent you some links? Yeah, after you sent me some links, it kind of cleared everything up for me. Awesome. So half guard. I originally was thinking we'd do one topic, but... At, our gym, you just started the half guard series. Yep. Two weeks ago? Uh, or just last well, week? Th- last week. This is the second week. Yeah. And so we had, I was in one class and he just started talking and I thought, all right, I'm interested. We have to do an episode on half guard right now, which it'll be interesting to do this now. And then months from now when we're done at our school with that series, I'll be able to look back and be like, oh, okay, I understand it a lot more now. But Half guard is, as I was trying to think about what it is to me, I was trying to figure out, like, to me, half guard's like a temporary like safe zone where you kind of, it's like a speed bump to slow the person down from going to a like more, to like side control, another position. Now that position is, isn't just a speed bump because you can also turn it into offensive positions. Right. What do you classify half guard as is it oh i I think half guard is it's an it's its own guard all on its own just like butterfly or lasso or closed guard would be um you open that door just so we get a little bit of air in here thank you (laughs) anyways um, well keep in mind i have these headphones on so it's like having earmuffs on you could just take the headphones off (laughs) no because this makes me look professional oh okay all right for everybody watching (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no so uh for for you know half guard is its own thing it's got its own properties and 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 attributes and um it's got its own sub categories within half you know so yeah i think it's pretty much safe to say that half guard stands on its own as its own entity um and, you know, when we talk about half guard, we have to talk about Gordo, too. So at some point we'll have to do like uh, in-depth, you know, episode on Gordo. Gordo is like um, widely recognized as like the, the father of half guard. Um, What's his full name? Uh, Roberto uh, Correa, I think. Let me look at his last name. I was just curious because I'll, I, I'll I, look I actually, him up later. I actually don't know that I remember his last name. Correa, yeah. Uh, uh, his nickname is Gordo. Gordo means fat. Um, and he got that nickname because I think, I believe um, that he was overweight when he started uh, Jiu Jitsu. So, um, 
No, so half, half guard is, is one of those things that when you first start jiu-jitsu as a white belt, you know, the idea of wrapping your legs around somebody's hip makes sense. Somebody shows you close guards, you're like, you put them there, you know, they got to get around your legs. Like, that's easy to understand. But then when people open your legs and they just walk to the side, you lose. Like, as a white belt, that's pretty much what happens. If, if they get around your legs, you're dead. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea of trapping one leg right um becomes like a like you said like a, a port in the storm you know you just need something to hold on to keep him from getting to side you know and if you're more experienced maybe get back to close guard you know yeah if you're experienced you can start to think of different avenues from there but when you don't have that information right. it's kind of just like you're like sliding down a mountain right. and you're just grasping at rocks and you right. grab that leg and go, okay, all right, I've got him here for a second. Yeah. Well, what can I do? <laughs> I don't know. He, and then they just right. pass the cycle. Right, exactly. And, and I think for, for a long time, um, maybe up until like the 80s, halfway through the 80s, it was probably, that's all it was. It was either a means to work your way back to close guard or a, you know, hold for dear life type of situation. Um, and, 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 and Gordo was a big competitor in the nineties. And I think that's when we saw a big boom in, in what half guard could actually be where half guard was not a let's hold for dear life or let's try to get back to close guard, but half guard was its own entity, its own, uh, dangerous position where sweeps and back takes and submissions and setups, different attacks could be made from there. Um, and that's where half guard became a viable threat for the person in the bottom. So before Gordo got, it was just viewed as just, I, 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 I would, I would assume that's what it was. I, I don't think I've actually sat down with anybody and said, Hey, what was half guard before Gordo? Cause anytime I bring up half guard, everybody talks about Gordo's innovations and stuff. But my, my guess is much like neon belly, like neon belly forever, which is a position to show off until people started coming up and developing the belly into a, a, a truly dominant offensive position instead of just a showboating position. Cause that's all it was, uh, you know, early on. Um, is it just a transitional position? Half guard? Yeah. Oh no. I think, I think if you, if you're good at half guard, you can make that your, your home base for attacks. You see guys like Lucas Leche who, um, you know, he does uh, half guard a lot. He's like, you know, one of the, the more modern jiu-jitsu practitioners that focuses on half guard. He, uh, he he calls it coyote guard, the his style of half. But, you know, it, it's still just half guard. There's nothing different about it. He's still controlling one leg. The properties are still the same. Um, you have guys that do, like Craig Jones, who do like the Z guard, um, which is essentially like um, a, a failed knee shield and it's still half guard. So like Craig Jones was able to employ his style of half guard um, on Leandro Lowe, which is one of the one of the best guard passers in modern jiu-jitsu. And, you know, Lowe couldn't do anything to it to the point where it frustrated Lowe enough that uh, Craig Jones got the edge and was able to, to choke him. Um, you know, you have obviously the knee shield, which is really common. It's, it's very fundamental. You have old school Gracie jiu-jitsu basic half guard i mean there's there's uh cyborg popularized you know like the tornado guard which is essentially a super deep half guard and then you have just regular deep half guard i mean there's a there's a number of different styles 
you know, um, but they all fall under the umbrella of half guard because the properties are still the same. You control one leg, you immobilize one side of the hip, you know, you're still fighting for all the same things. It's just how you go about doing it. So that's one thing I think we should double back and describe. Traditional half guard for people very new to jujitsu is essentially you're on your side, your opponent opponent is on top, and their leg is trapped between yours. Right. So you're on your side, on your shoulder, on your hip, and yes, they're on top. They've passed your open guard, or they've opened up your guard, right. and you just trap the leg between yours. Is right. anything else that you would say? No, I mean, and then from there, it depends on the style that you're playing, right? If you're playing an old school um, approach, classic approach to, to close guard, you'd have a hand blocking a cross face and one hand pummeling for an underhook. If you're doing, you know, more of, let's say, like a deep half, then you're going to be, you know, using an, an underhook with your arm on the free leg, on the opponent's free leg, and then hugging their hip if you're doing, you know. Before we move on to the other one, so if you are looking at the different styles of the half guard, old school, what what are you seeing, like old school half guard defensive position the person's setting up? The, uh, the person on the bottom? On the bottom, yeah. So you'd have, you know, so whatever hand is on the bottom, so if you're on your side with one leg trapped between your legs, the hand that's closest to the floor would be your your blocking hand to prevent a cross face from happening. So that's in like the person's bicep, like elbow to shoulder, like right. that area. Right, elbow pit to shoulder, yeah. Okay. And then the the free hand would be the elbow would be tied to your body, and then you'd have a secondary frame, collarbone, shoulder, upper bicep, and to to help support your your bottom hand. And and that would be a very classical half guard position. And and that's set up mainly just to prevent someone from smashing you going um, cross face. It, it, it helps prevent you from getting hit, from getting punched. Um, it helps prevent you from getting, you know, like you said, smashed, somebody getting cross face or shoving you down. Uh, it, it's not the most aggressive style of F guard, but it's it's a very sound defensive half guard. Okay, and that makes sense. It's, it's older, it's old school because a lot of old school stuff comes from the self-defense right. and that's what it's doing right. there. It's just right. def- defending the face, protecting yourself. And it's the foundation that sets up all the other styles of half guard. Okay. The newer, another newer modern style, is that going to mean you're incorporating now like a, like an underhook? Because when I think of half guard, a big part of that is you have the framing, but also an underhook. Well, the, the underhook um, by itself is not necessarily changing the style of the guard because in any point in half guard, you should be able to underhook and get out. Um, are you also, when we're talking about this, like traditional half guard, mm-hmm. are your feet always, um, are they together? Are you triangling? Oh, I, I don't, I don't cross my feet in half guard. Okay. Um, I have the, my bottom leg is actively controlling their leg that's trapped between my legs. That way my top leg is free to move. And, and because anything that you want to do, if your legs are crossed, you're gonna have to uncross them. So there's no, no real gain there. Okay. So you're doing that, and then I started mentioning the half, uh, the under underhook. Under right. So so again, the underhook, it, that's a common thread in half guard because if you have an underhook, you're, you're getting out. Um, but that doesn't necessarily change the style of half guard. Uh, when you incorporate different kinds of frame, let's say on a Z guard or a knee shield, you create different frames. So like in a knee shield, you'd frame the opponent's free shoulder. Um, creating a very complete frame around your opponent's torso so they can't put any weight on you. 
or like uh, a Z guard where you would block, you create a frame on the opponent's hip, the same hip that you're trapping, the leg that's trapped, you'd frame that hip so they cannot move forward. Um, if you go into like, say, like a deep half, then you're not creating frames. In fact, you're foregoing all frames in order to create attachment. So you're attaching yourself to your opponent's body, forcing him to react to your movement and so on and so forth. And we, we can go through all the, the styles of half, but uh, all that they're doing is building on the the classic uh, old school half guard and they're just adding slight twists to the properties so let's say like a knee shield you're creating more frames it's supporting your defense so if you're new to half guard or if you're fighting people that are bigger than you it's a really good way to go because it helps support you in case your arms aren't enough you know or if you get somebody who's super aggressive who likes to move very fast uh, something like a Z, a Z guard where you're blocking a hip, it stops their forward direction. It doesn't stop their um, vertical direction, but it does stop their horizontal direction. So they, they won't be able to move into you so much. So it slows them down a little bit or like a deep half. Um, creating those attachments essentially kills your opponent's hips. Their upper body's free, but they don't have a lower body. So, you know, you just twist the properties a little bit to your benefit depending on the situation. So framing is something that's always been around with half guard where you're protecting yourself. That's from the self-defense mode. The maybe switch where it started to be seen as something else would have been, like you said with Gordo, where a nice thing about half guard, it doesn't take a lot to get under your opponent and change like the center of gravity. So I, I've never actually got to sit down with Gordo and go over like his mindset on developing a half guard into an offensive position. But if I were to guess, the way the way it worked for him was he was able to, whether willingly or unwillingly, find himself a lot in half guard, and he found a pattern that worked for him—a sweep or a back take or something that other people weren't doing therefore caused him to be successful right it was unexpected and then he developed comfort so once you know you can do damage from a certain position it's much easier to to fight at ease or to grapple at ease and then from there you can start experimenting what if i do this because if it fails you have something to fall back on and and my guess is it was sweeps or back takes first maybe even getting close guard he found a way that people can stop him from getting close guard I, i don't know and then he started experimenting and seeing what would work and what didn't work. And, and you know, he probably mapped it out much like I think I would in his position. Um, and yeah, and, and he just played with it, explored it. And, and it was definitely with him in the 90s where you saw half guard become more than just a holding position. Yeah, it's a, it's a, also I can see the natural progression from half guard to something like X guard. And... Right. It's taken me personally a long time to get to a point where I'm comfortable with like pulling someone almost over like on top of you and like inserting yourself underneath them right. to the point where you're carrying their away and then you might be able to either pass, let's say from X guard if you're lifting them up and then you come out like under them and you end up on the back or if you go to X guard and as we talked about X guard in this episode and at school um, you are a lot of times pulling your opponent up on you and 
supporting their weight, which it takes a lot. It feels so counterintuitive. It feels like you are asking them to smash you and just kill you. But I would imagine as people were playing around with X guard, uh, with half guard, they started to see, oh, I can, I can pull this person up and then I, they'll stand up and then that opens up this whole new path. And it is like, I think when I imagine it as a transitional position, it's just kind of like when we talked about X guard that it's this roundabout where you can go right. a lot of different places. The, the the reality is every guard should connect to other guards. If they don't, then you have a flawed system, right? So the other, other very quick and easy guard that connects and it's easy to see, um, even for beginners is let's say half guard to butterfly. It's very, very easy, right? You already have one leg between their legs. So you just pummeled the other and now you're in butterfly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and very easy to see that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure earlier on in development, um, half guard was only that, a transitional position from guard to guard. And then it became offensive and then sweeping-based offense. And then it became submission-based offense. And then as people enjoyed it, there's more people playing that same style. You started seeing slight twists and different flavors to the same stuff. What's the or some of the most common forms of half guard that you see now? That I see now, mm-hmm. um, you see a lot of Z guard now because of Craig Jones. Uh, explain Z guard. Z guard is when you when you the only thing that's different is that your free leg, your top leg, that shin is across the opponent's hip. Um, that's very common now. Um, half butterfly is very common. Um, you see also like with cyborg. And like Kyotera, you see like deep half and like tornado half, um, tornado guard, right? But it's still just still just half guard, um, and, and you see that because those guys are very good at it. They can scramble from underneath and and and, and do a lot. So those are the ones you see more often in competition anymore. As you've progressed through your years in jujitsu, has your half guard changed much? Oh, absolutely. Um, Where's you know, it now, and what did it, what was it like in the past? So half guard, I actually really like half guard. Like I really like the reason why I have a good butterfly guard is because I have a pretty decent half guard. Um, my comfort in half allowed me to explore butterfly. Um, no, so so my half guard kind of it changes. Who am I fighting? You know, what kind of role is it? You know, if I'm fighting somebody much bigger and I'm just playing around, then then maybe I'll do things I shouldn't. But if if it's a more serious role and they're bigger than me, I'll play a little bit more on the defensive side of half guard. You know, creating lots of frames, looking for an opportunity to, you know, get a sweep going. Um, if I if that's not possible, then then I switch into a more offensive stand where I'm looking to put pressure on them, looking to submit and and make put them on their heels, so to speak. Um, so yeah, my my half guard fluctuates. You know, if you if you ever watch me and me and Hal rolling, we spend a lot of time in half because he likes half as well. So it's it's um, half guard to me is one of those things that you have to have a good half guard. If you don't, there's a huge gap in your game that will be exploited as soon as your legs pop open. If you don't have a half, they're gonna get the side. For people who are listening and still trying to develop their own understanding of half guard when you have someone in your guard they they let's say open it up and they start to pass to side and you're able to just clamp down and you don't know a ton about half guard you just it's almost instinctual you just close down on that last leg 
what are some of the things they need to look at to go, all right, where, where do I, where do I go from here? What, what should I focus on first in order to slow this person down? And then how do I get out of this position to maybe somewhere a little bit better? So the, the first thing I would say, if you're brand new to this and somebody is passing your garden, you happen to clamp down on their leg, um, make sure you're not flat. Flat is dead. If you get flat in half, generally speaking, you're going to, you're going to get past. And flat meaning both shoulder blades are on the mat. Yep. Yep. So make sure you're on your side. Um, make sure you're not getting cross-faced. You have an active hand defending any potential cross-faces. Um, and then your free hand and your free leg, uh, your free leg is going to cause mobility. If they get too close to you and you don't like it, you need to be able to move away. Or if they try to back up, you can walk into them if you need to. And your free arm becomes your your only offensive weapon at this stage, especially if you're brand new to it, which is just pummeling for an underhook, meaning your arm goes underneath their armpit towards their back. What if there's not a whole lot of space? What if they are putting a ton of pressure on you? And how do you work that underhook in? Well, the the easiest way to, I mean, the proper way to do an underhook would be to keep your elbow pinched to your body. And then that hand that's pummeling for the underhook needs to go to your chest, down to your groin, towards their armpit. If your elbow separates from your rib cage, which is very common in jiu-jitsu when people are pummeling for underhooks, is they separate that elbow. If that elbow separates from your rib cage, it's vulnerable. Now, if you're rolling with another white belt, blue belt, they may not be able to make you pay for it, but as you go up in rank, uh, the, the higher belts, the brown belts, and definitely the black belts will, will, will punish you for that. Um, and the problem is, if you build a bad habit as a white belt, it's going to stick for a long time until somebody beats you in the side of the head enough to uh, to make you break the habit. So when you're that guy, when you're on your back and you're just getting smashed by this person and you have that outside arm, you keep that elbow close to your side and then you, that hand, you have to get under their armpit. And so you... you kind of arch up, create a little bit of... Right, bump into them, and then as you recoil from the bump, there's space, right? Right. And so you you arch up, you drop, and for that little period of time, you can slip that hand through, and then you get the underhook. Right. All right, once you get that underhook, let's say you got a big fucker on you. <laughs> you just you just grab them by the scruff of the neck and just toss them off? No, so once you get the underhook, you know, remain on your side... Um, there's there's different schools of thought on what to do here. Um, you can stomp the ground, arch, and then with that underhook, your bicep guides their tricep towards their head. Uh, the, the other school of thought is you don't stomp, you kick the air, and that helps pull your body underneath them a little bit more. It makes your arm travel distance a little bit shorter. Your arm is still doing the same thing, it's still going bicep to tricep, pushing their elbow to their face. But the difference is, do we want to gain height? So if you stomp, you're creating height, meaning you're coming up off the ground. Or do you want to create uh, distance, meaning uh, do you want to move further on the horizontal side of things? Basically, do you want to move up in vertic- move, move up vertically or do you want to move down horizontally? And, and the reality is they both work and they both work at different times with different people for different people. Um, kind of experiment with both. I, I tend to see, uh, I tend to... to um, I've noticed that it's easier for brand new beginners to stomp the ground. Yeah. Um, It's, it's a more natural motion. It's a much easier motion for, for people to understand. Um, But as you get good at it, you can just stomp the air too. 
when are instances because I'm trying to think about what I do and I think most of the time I stomp and the stomping of the air when are instances that you would use that as opposed to the so if the guy's just if the guy's just too big to move right and you know that you can arch all you want and that dude's just not gonna move like he just weighs a ton of bricks so then you you play the little man game right you you make yourself smaller and you you by making yourself smaller you feel less of that weight and it's easier for you to move um but it does deal with the problem of if you make yourself smaller and he catches you you're smaller being crushed by a much larger <laughs> person you're more balled up right yeah um, so you know you kind of have to kind of have to decide in the moment that's where experience comes in um you know but they, they're both very effective they both work um and they can work at all levels it's just when to do one versus the other and that that comes down to just sheer experience in that time okay and the movement of the underhook is the direction that you're going are you putting most of the pressure on their like their lats their armpit closer up to the so, shoulder so area? your shoulder your shoulder should be underneath their armpit okay, okay. for a proper underhook the closer your shoulder is to being underneath their armpit the better um, the most common mistake is people try to push the opponent's body off of them. Don't push the body. Fan your arm out so that your bicep um, essentially pushes their tricep, their elbow towards their face. And it's going to be a, like an arching motion, not a straight motion. Um, if you push their body, you're pushing their mass. It's very hard to move somebody's torso. It's much easier to move their arm. Yeah, I. this is one that I'll use a lot and... It's definitely not because I'm pushing them away. It's not that I'm bumping and they go flying off <laughs> and they turn around like, wow, you have so much power. Right. No, they've never said that. Uh, I, Yeah, it's just enough that almost if there was a sound effect to me doing it, it'd be like a whoa. It's <laughs> like just slide out. Right? Me like sliding out. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's essentially what happens is you just kind of push yourself out and you just like wily coyote or banana peel it out and slip out the back and then. Ideally, you end up kind of on the back, almost on like the side of the back. Well, you know, it, it's like when you do a push-up, there's two ways that that can play out, three ways that can play out, right? When you, when you do a push-up, either you move the earth down or the earth moves you up or both move a little bit, right? And it's all relative to weight. So if, if you're somebody smaller, going with people that are larger than you, you're more likely to be pushed away than you are to push them. If you're somebody much bigger than who you're going against, you're much more likely to push them away than you are to push yourself off of them, right? Right. Now, if they're both relatively the same size, then usually you have a little bit of both happening. Right. Okay, so that's a good coverage of kind of a basic. Someone's um, pass. they open your guard, they're smashing you. What's a little bit more of an advanced um, half guard technique where let's say they open your guard, they are passing to uh you trap that leg and then they're working with the let's say like a cross face and they're trying to like maybe throw their leg back um what's so they're they're crossing you with each with, with what arm the, the near arm or the far it would be with their far if if the near arm would be the one closest to your body the far arm would be the one furthest away from your body Okay, be the near arm then. Okay, so yeah. they would if they if they hug your head with the near arm, that's like a free underhook, right? At that point, you just underhook and get out. 
Okay, forearm. Yeah, if it's a forearm, <laughs> it's a bigger problem, right? <laughs> um, no, so if, if they cross-face you with a forearm, uh, generally speaking, cross-face is, is uh, like I said, generally speaking, there's ways of recovering. But if somebody cross-faces you in half, you, you're fighting a, a very difficult battle. And if that happens, um, the, the first thing we need to do is, you know, create some sort of frame. It doesn't have to be a fully effective frame just some frame in order to be able to move ourselves away from that frame. If we can move away from our frame, then we can create distance, right? You can create space. So if, if somebody cross faces you, you know, and they're kind of grinding you down, the very first thing we do is keep our, our free leg or top leg free so that we can start to move our hips away from them. So our, our lower body is, is you know, mobile. If we can get on our side, that'd be ideal, but it's very tough, especially with a cross face. So your arm, the same, same side as you're getting cross face, that arm will have to essentially reverse pummel. You're going to arch into them. Your arm goes through your groin, chest towards their bicep, right? Once you create the hand on the bicep, you're not going to be strong enough to peel that cross face off, but you could be strong enough to keep them from getting any closer to you. Right, so you just have to be strong there. So you get strong there, and then you can use the free leg to continue to shrimp away from your opponent. That creates distance because now his cross face may be very strong, but he can't close that distance. Right, he can't chase you. And as you move away from him, if he doesn't chase you, if he cannot uh, take that that space you just created, then another position shifts. And then once that happens, then we've blocked the cross face. We're back to half guard, and we can do a number of different things. Well. You know, this episode could, it was just going to be half guard. It probably, we could title it basic half guard or traditional half guard because yeah, classic you, half guard. Classic yeah. half guard because yeah. we haven't even gotten into deep half oh, and, yeah. and all the other options, yeah. which we'll leave for other episodes. But before we finish this one up, what is, what are things that people need to look for when they're first trying to develop their half guard? Things that, um, you need to do in order to make your if you're putting yourself in the position to practice half guard what do you have to do so you're not just getting smashed you're not just completely letting so people move because, on because because in, in half guard you have half the control over the opponent's hips as you had in close guard um you have to understand that the distance management becomes even more critical where when we talked about close guard we said it's almost um uh, close guard is almost like it's a it's a it's a free um, distance management. You wrap your legs around somebody. It doesn't matter how much they move. They're kind of stuck to you, right? Mm-hmm. In half guard, that's not true. Somebody can stand up in half guard much easier than they could in close guard. So learning to manage distance, meaning you want to keep your opponent engaged enough that they're not backing out because it's going to be hard for you to chase them, right? But you also cannot let them get so close to you that the that they essentially remove all the space between you and them so the first thing i would focus on is just the fundamentals get on your side you know make sure you control their leg you have one free leg for mobility that you have frames and you have the ability to move within those frames so that you're not getting smashed that that's that's 101 is there much you have to change if you're mainly a, a gi or no gi person when you're thinking half guard Nah, as far as these fundamentals no they they work the same universal yeah okay well let's make that the period at the end of this 
half guard episode. Classic half guard. That's what this will be. Yes. Classic half guard. Um, we're going to wrap that up and go take some cold showers. Yes. <laughs> you know what we should have done? When you, when you showed up here, you had... How many ahi tuna steak, frozen ahi tuna steaks did you have? Oh, I have uh, 15. Yeah, so Croyler comes in the house and says, I, I, I have a few favors for you. I have three favors I need to ask. <laughs> so I, at one, I wasn't sure if he confused me with a genie. Um, <laughs> but two, he so he, one of those was you had all these ahi tuna steaks that we put in a bag and then in the freezer. We should have taken those out and just like... You could have put three in your shirt. I could have put three in my shirt. No, it's not, see, it's not long enough for it to thaw out completely. No, but see, then you'd smell like fish. It was ziplocked, or it was, uh, it was, uh, you'd smell airtight. like fish. <laughs> smell like fish or sweat through this. Oh, oh God, you're right. This room would have stunk. Yeah, it would have been like, heaven. it would have been like, like a fish boil in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so before we're done, I thought we did something in the beginning already. Okay. Uh, we did a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we're just gonna do a quick game because it's warm. We got it's, it's we got to get out of here. We'll just do a quick. Would you rather? Oh Jesus! Okay, just a couple. Um, all right. So one. Would you rather lose worlds to someone who was turtling on you and then leg locked you and you had to tap? So that's the first okay. scenario. Or have to say jits. And throw the jujitsu hand sign every uh-huh. time you wanted to say jujitsu. So anytime you're talking to someone and you said, now in jits, and then you had to throw, what's, does that have a name, that sign? Yeah. Or, it's like the shaka. The shaka sign, yeah. So every time you're talking, teaching. That's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, teaching, at work, even on the phone with someone, there's just something in your brain where it switches and you go, yeah, jits. I think I would have to commit like like harikari or something along those lines. You, you have to choose one. I don't think I can. You have to choose one, otherwise <laughs> the game falls apart. <laughs> well, this if you, it'd have... be like saying I want to do jujitsu, but I don't want to like touch anyone sweaty. Yeah, no, see that that's that's tough. I don't think I could pick. Like that's gonna be like an indecision is gonna have to be the choice here. I mean, that's like that's like. I, I have a it? knife to the throat of all your loved ones. I mean, that's like saying, do you want to eat dog shit or do you want to eat dog shit? Yeah. I have a knife to the throat <laughs> of all your loved ones and you have to make a decision. You lose worlds to someone who turtles and leg locks you. Chits or this. One of those is an event that passes. Now it, it will, will forever be on no, video. No, it doesn't pass because that would burn inside my mind forever. I don't think I could do it. Which could you not, which, which could you absolutely not live with? I mean, everybody loses. Getting tapped is one thing, right? Yep. And, and it's there's still jujitsu happening. Willingly choosing to say jits is just like some sort of retardation. It's not willing. It's a. It becomes something in your brain. Again, it supports wild. the whole retardation comment. So I'm gonna say that you chose the second one, the jits one. No, I'm just saying I'm not making a choice. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, uh, all right, we're, we'll do another one. Oh, uh, okay. You all right? Would you rather lose the ability to wrist rock, wrist lock? Or have to wear a sleeveless gi forever when you do jujitsu. Oh, I would rock a sleeveless gi. Okay, all right, there. That one, yeah, that so one is easy. That. Yeah, yeah. Last one. Um, for the rest of your life, you have to wear glitter lip gloss and a shirt that's two sizes too small. <laughs> or every time you walk into a room, Avril Lavigne's uh, song "Boyfriend" plays. You know that one? No. Okay, well, it's an Avril Lavigne song, so you, so you just kind of probably okay. know what that's like. 
every time you walk into a room, that starts playing. Just there's there aren't speakers; it just plays, and people are like, "What the fuck?" Have <laughs> you noticed every time he comes in the room, that song plays? That you walk into a funeral, that plays. You walk into a business meeting, that plays. I, I, or you also the alternative is you walk into a funeral or a business meeting with. Uh, glittery lip gloss and a shirt that's two sizes too, too small. small. Yeah, I think I'll take the song. I don't know the song. I think I'll take it. Oh, okay. You know what? Here, since oh my god, we'll just we're do this play real quick. Song? What he did not mention was the the deadpan look I he, I gave him when he talked about the song. I really have no idea what this sounds like. You know who she is, though, right? Oh, it's a she, Avril Lavigne. I don't. I mean, she I did maybe, the Skater Boy song. Uh, see, I might have heard her songs, but I have no idea who she is. All right, so every time you walk into a room, so you're in a funeral right now, and you're like, "I'm so sorry for your loss." Um, or you walk into a business meeting, and you're like, "I have an, I have a proposal." This is just playing the whole time. Would it be harder for people to I mean, take this? Is it on repeat or would it stop eventually? <laughs> it stops eventually. Okay, You're right. So how, how long is the song? <laughs> because it would drive you insane. Yeah, I mean, like I was going to say, the FBI tortures people that way. It would play for 30 seconds. Yeah, and I'll take the song every time. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just can't get out of my head you with, with, with glittery lip gloss and a super, super tight T-shirt. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, because for some reason, I'm also picturing your hair like spiked and frosted. Frosted, yeah, I can't do that. I've got to do some photoshopping. <laughs> all right, that's it for today's episode. We all have a lot to think about. <laughs>